The Phoenix Suns got back in the second round series against the Denver Nuggets, and Devin Booker did it again. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll talk about how the Suns evened it up and an underrated part of Booker's maturity that helped them do it. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credential media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for making Locked On Suns your first listen after game three, whether it is late Friday night, maybe you're getting this by then, or early Saturday, or any time over the weekend. We appreciate you making us your first listen, getting locked on to your favorite team, becoming an everyday or getting this feed, show in your feed every single Monday through Friday. We are here after game three to talk about a win. That is a very good thing. You can also follow along at Locked on PHX Suns, where you can give your seven words or less game takes after every game, win, loss, or tie, although I don't foresee a tie. We have, uh, let's see. At by underscore Ben 2, Jock Landale just saved Booker's Masterclass game. We have at L underscore Chubby 15 with my favorite one of the night. Devin Booker is the next Devin Booker. And we're going to let L Chubby start us off today uh, because that's exactly how I feel. Devin Booker's one of one. Um, (laughs) I had to catch the light rail on my way home. Thank you, Arizona Diamondbacks, for having a game and crowding downtown. So I only got to say for a little bit of Kevin Durant's press conference, but he genuinely was out of words. He wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the the performance that Devin Booker put together. 47 points, 9 assists, 80, 80, 80% shooting, 9 assists, I think I said that, and 5 of 8 from 3. And Durant couldn't. He couldn't come up with anything. He literally just kind of like let out a breath and said, I'm speechless uh, or I'm, 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 I'm running out of words. Whatever he said is very similar to how I feel, but you do not come here for speechlessness. You come here for analysis. So let's get to our moment of the game. All right. Um, because it obviously has to do with Mr. Booker. And as I promised, it's not the normal, I'm going to break down what he does on the court. Uh, Well, it will happen on the court, but it's not going to be X's and O's. It's not going to be technical breakdown. It's not going to be any of that stuff because, frankly, even if you're not an everydayer, even if you're a KD stan who started tuning in recently, even if you're one of the random opponent teams that uh, the Suns have played who still listen to this show, welcome, love you all. Even if you're those people and you haven't been listening every day the whole time I've been doing this show for the last two and a half years, you probably have heard me do a version of that. This guy is on another planet, and it's been especially apparent during these playoffs, but it's really been apparent all season. This is the best year of his career. He had the most incredible efficiency numbers that I think uh, should any guard could w- would struggle to live up to, and since these playoffs began, he has played 40-plus minutes a night, scored darn near 35-plus every single game, in addition to a ton of assists, very few turnovers, and he's done it efficiently. I think he's at somewhere in the neighborhood of the 60s in terms of field goal percentage. That's 
It's really not new. Uh, obviously, to do it in a do-or-die game three, obviously to do it against a better opponent, even though the Clippers defensively, maybe you would say that they have some personnel that could give Booker trouble. I think Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a very good trio of defenders to throw at Devin Booker as well. And the Nuggets have sneaky size and all these things. Booker was not incredible in games one and two. I think he was very good. I think he was definitely not the reason they lost, but... They gave him, they gave him a, some fits. They gave him some looks that 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 challenged him. And in this game, he surpassed all of that. So there's the obligatory he did that breakdown for you. But let me get to what I want to talk about. All right, what I was impressed by. I was sitting there just like you, mouth agape, uh, just losing my you know what watching this dude as I as I always am. But Two moments jumped out to me in particular, all right? One, end of the first quarter, and it was a wake-up call. It was it was very much a reminder. Oh, yeah, Chris Paul isn't here, all right? And so, basically, let's, let's fast forward to the, uh, here it is, 335, all right? The Suns had been going back and forth um, a little bit, and... It's 21-20 at that moment, and Torrey Craig enters the game for Kevin Durant. All right, so at that point, you I believe it's like Payne Shamit or one of those two, Booker Craig Landale, something around that type of a lineup, all right? And all of a sudden, so Durant leaves, and very predictably, Denver takes a five-point lead almost immediately, uh, within, within minutes. Bruce Brown hits a three. Jokic gets a technical free throw, and then Jamal Murray gets a, a dunk off of a of a Joker dish in the two-man game. And then, wow, five-point lead for Denver in 35 seconds when the Suns had just had a one-point lead. All right, so then the Suns call a timeout right about there. Uh, well, they get their own couple of buckets, and they, they cut the Denver lead down, but it was starting to feel like, all right, Good start offensively. We're doing the right things. You know, I think that um, the Suns were pushing the pace very well to start this game. The Suns were, um, you know, attacking the right things, but Durant was cold and the bench was coming in and Denver was looking strong. And Booker, and this is something I'm going to harp on as, as this series goes along. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Obviously, we might feel differently if it's 3-1 coming off of that. But um, a big takeaway of mine overall from this series so far has been the leadership that Devin Booker has demonstrated. And if I was still writing about this team consistently, I would have written a, a column on this because I think it's very cool. And I think this moment illustrated it. But it really dates back to after game two. If you listen to anything those dudes said... Booker made a very specific point of speaking to the team about, uh, not about, but speaking to the team prior to Monty Williams entering the locker room in Denver after game two. And it sounds like Booker, his general message was, this is what it is, right? This is what the playoffs are. You have to embrace it. There will be moments when you are down 2-0 and it feels like the world is ending, but you are two home wins from feeling great. So let's go get those wins. That seemed to be what his message was. And so that was 
probably more powerful than anything that happened in this particular game, but I can't help but continue to notice the way he's talking and the way he's acting very much feels like he's turned a corner as a leader. He comes over after this timeout at the 1 minute and 54 second mark when Denver is still up one. He spoke to each player on the court. I have it here. I didn't get the lineup right the last time. It was Shamit, Booker, Ross, Akogi, and Landale. All right? And he spoke to each and every one of those players, all right, as the Suns were coming back out onto the court following the timeout. The Suns, um, I believe, get a, well, they miss a shot, but then they get a stop on a Jokic travel. They force a miss, and then Booker makes a shot to take the lead again. And then by the end of the first quarter, Denver is up, but it did not get out of hand. It's a perfectly reasonable two-point lead. And then I believe to start the second, you get Durant back out there. And that is uh, the second quarter is when the Suns would go on to take a double-digit lead because Booker went absolutely nuclear and Durant started to get to the line and they got into the bonus and all that stuff. Excellent moment. I'm not saying that him talking to those players was a directly correlated thing to anything. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But that moment mattered. The sense of, hey, when the bench has come in has been a really sticking point for us, and it's going to be even worse tonight because Chris isn't in there. So guys who are not used to playing together, guys who are not used to playing at all, they're going to be out there now. All right, so let's fast forward again to the other moment that I think was especially impressive. And it's again from Devin Booker. And it's the beginning of the third quarter, all right? So, Suns up 15. And right away, uh, you see a, a run, right? Where, um, sorry, I'm talking about the fourth quarter. <laughs> the Suns, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, I knew I had it wrong in my head. The Suns are only up two. Immediately, they go on a seven to nothing run. And again, it's a, it's a lineup where there are a lot of bench players. So TJ Warren, Jock Landale, Campaign are all in there. Kevin Durant was also in there, but, you know, not involved. It is book scoring or assisting on seven straight points to put the Suns up nine, force a, Den- a Denver timeout a minute and a half into the quarter, force Jokic back into the game to get his minutes total into the 40s, which hasn't always been the case in this playoffs, in this series, in anything. And... I saw Denver people at that moment tweeting that might have been it. You know, the, the Nuggets have won the non-Jokic minutes in this series for the most part. Jokic was a plus five in this game. The Suns won by seven, which means that the Nuggets were a minus two. Or no, I'm sorry. The Nuggets were a minus 12 in the minutes that Jokic sat, if I'm, if I'm doing that math correctly. Um, and this stretch was a, big, was a big part of it. That's a 7-0 run. And it put the Nuggets up nine, which with 10 minutes left, considering how effective the Suns' star players were, you know, they made it a game, but that was enough. The Suns never lost the lead at that point. They go back up nine at 644 when Durant gets to the free throw line after a little Denver run. And that pretty much was the game. That The game was in the balance, 90-88 coming into the fourth quarter. Devin Booker once again put his foot on the gas, got a three-pointer for pain and then also uh, made his own two shots in that stretch just excellent feel for the moment putting the team on his back stuff that in addition to the absurd stat line 
is a perfect illustration of why Booker has leveled up in these playoffs. Let's talk about my big takeaway from this game, which is that things change quickly. I'll tell you what I mean by that next. First today's show, guys, brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure that every player is a perfect fit. You want to make sure that everybody out on the court is a perfect fit, and eBay Motors feels the same way. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head over to eBay Motors. With their eBay guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, we're back. Let's talk about how quickly things can change. All right, in the playoffs. I was shocked, okay? So uh, I had dinner at the media table. Crazy amount of media uh, the longer you go in the playoffs because there's less places to be and there's more travel budget, right? Because everybody's paying attention to the NBA. Um, But dinner's packed. I ended up sitting with Dave King from Bright Side of the Sun, who I obviously friend, um, and then Mark McClune of 3TV and Nick King of 3TV, uh, Barry Bloom of Sportico, all the people who cover the Suns, all right? And we're all talking. I'm just kind of listening. So I should say they're talking. And almost all of them thought that the Nuggets were not only going to win in game three, but probably sweep the series. And that felt crazy to me. And so I put it to them like this. Did you feel that way a week ago, right? I mean, that's such an easy question to ask, but it's the right one. And I understand Chris Paul was hurt. I don't want to gloss over that. Um, I will remind you all who've listened to this show, the everydayers who tune in, and listened to my thoughts heading into this game, I I did bring up the possibility that one of the Suns' bigger problems in this series had been the simplicity, uh, the sort of, the lack of simplicity, right? The lack of simplicity in their offense, the fact that it has to cycle through all these different versions of itself. Okay, Chris Paul, DeAndre, and pick and roll game. All right, pick and roll, drive and kick, where we're trying to create shots for our shooters. Pick and roll to feed Aiton, pick and roll to get Chris Paul looks, pick and roll... Uh, with Booker, then ISOs for Durant, ISOs for Booker, transition when we're pushing the paint, like all these different things that the players are kind of having to keep in mind and the fact that Chris Paul being out might simplify that. And so I did have that in the back of my mind. I was also thinking of that when they were so negative about the fact that Paul was going to be out, but just overall hearing the negativity. Um, I put out a tweet on the Locked on Suns account pregame saying like, How, what's the vibe? How are we feeling? What are we thinking? And a lot of you guys responded with positivity. And so that kind of reaffirmed it to me. I'm like, okay, it's not all doom and gloom out there among fans. And trust me, you guys can be doom and gloom when you want to be. So that made me feel cautiously optimistic that, okay, I'm not going crazy and I'm not naive here. This really could still be a win. But why could it not be a win, right? Well, let's talk about some of the things that that changed in this game, all right? Because... Um, I'll get to that. Let's talk about what changed. First and foremost, um, the Suns made a concerted effort to attack the parts of the defense, of Denver's defense, that are most vulnerable. That sounds obvious. That's what you should do in the playoffs, right? Um, So they had those two areas, are transition defense and, and interior defense, right? So the Suns had 23 fast break points. 
they only had seven points off turnovers, so that means they were running off misses, right? They weren't getting steals and turning that into quick dunks and stuff. No, they were, when the Nuggets missed, the Suns were, were, were sprinting, right? And campaign, obviously, is a big driver of that. We know that. That's not a surprise. That's one of the obvious things you would have looked at if you were trying to make the case that Payne could be an effective part of the starting lineup, and he was. They also attacked the inside uh, of Denver. The refs were letting them play a lot, so you don't really see it in the free throw totals. But points in the paint, 48. Now, it's kind of low, all things considered. I, I think in the first half, I think it was the 16 of the first 45 points the Suns scored were in the paint, right? So that's about, what is that, like about a third, just over a third of their points. So if that pace had continued, then you would be looking at yeah, I, I guess that's sort of what ended up happening, right? 48 out of 121. So that's a good number. The Nuggets don't have rim protection. I mean, that's one thing that they that they do not have, right? They do not have a weak side player who's going to come in and 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 smack a shot away. And and when Aiton, depending on where he is, depending on how set the defense is, there's going to be times where if Jokic isn't able to just plant himself in the paint, and he did get called for a defensive three seconds, so he definitely plants himself, then you could just get into the paint before Denver even has anyone in there, let alone the the little rim protection that they do have, right? So I think Booker, I've been talking about, this is the single biggest growth point that I think I've seen from him all year, and I've been I've been harping on it a bunch. You saw it if you watched the Suns play the Thunder what felt like six million times in the spring. Uh, it was only four, but it was like four times in a month. And the, the, the Thunder don't, they really don't have any rim protection, right? The, the preternatural, like, sensing that Booker's able to do of when there's a rim protector, where that rim protector is, and how to manipulate that, and when to just go if there isn't any help, it's huge. And it's a big part of why he's been able to draw more fouls at will at times this season. It's a big part of why his overall offensive diet has become more balanced and therefore harder to guard. And so, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, And those are the two areas that they were able to attack. The other part that the Suns adjusted in this game, in my opinion, uh, again, was pace, right? So it, I think that that kind of goes in with the fast break points, but it was also just quicker decisions, quicker offense, etc. Um, I think the other part is rotationally, and we'll talk about it in more depth in a second, but I'm not willing to count a team out until they lose a home game and until they, you know, empty the holster of adjustments and still don't have enough answers, right? Like you, you kind of saw that with the Kings, right? The Kings... Started to lose home games, obviously. Game five, they lost. And they got to a point where it's like their game seven strategy was to have Terrence Davis guarding Steph Curry. You look at that and you're like, yeah, the Warriors, makes sense they took a 3-2 lead. Makes sense that they won the series, right? Suns aren't there yet. Rotationally, they were able to pull out some rabbits out of hats here and make things happen. Um, I would say the... We have more time to talk about adjustments, I guess, uh, after game four. We'll see if, if those things hold over. It's a weird weekend thing where I'm not going to have a, a show between. But rotation, attacking the weak points of the, of, the, of the Nuggets defense. And then I think tonight you could probably make the case that Denver, you know, 
that the Suns' approach on Den- on Denver was again to kind of make the other guys beat them. Besides Jokic, it's it's not really one thing fully or the other. I mean, it's it's very weird to come away from this game feeling like Jokic wasn't at his absolute best because he was at 30, 17, and seventeen. I mean, that's uh, is on another level. I mean, it's it's just it's it's the weird nature of the playoffs, and I guess it speaks to again things change quickly, right? Uh, if Jokic puts up that those numbers again and maybe doesn't have six turnovers, you know, maybe gets to the line a little bit more. Maybe it's more like 35 points and he gets to the line a few times to balance that out and they win. Then you're going to look at that stat line and be like, whoa, you know, but in this case, it was a little like, OK, you know, you'll take 17 assists to six turnovers at the end of the day because it means that he wasn't beating you. It means that the ball was out of his hands and it means that you know, there was that much more chance for mistakes. They turned the ball over 12 times. The Suns only turned the ball over nine. A lot of the shots that the Nuggets did get up, they got up 97 shots. A lot of that was offensive rebounds, you know? Like, it it wasn't a comfortable offensive night for them because of all those things. They only ended up shooting 44% overall, 33% from deep, and again, the 12 turnovers, which isn't a lot, but it was more than the Suns, right? And so I think that approach, too, helped. And so... It's all those little things. They all add up. A different approach on offense, a little bit of a hard-to-read adjustment defensively game-to-game. We don't know what the Suns are going to allow, what they're going to try to take away defensively. It's alternated game by game. And then who played, right? And so it sounds so basic, but it's like these every playoffs, forever, in the history of the NBA, they're unpredictable. The home team is supposed to win. I just really didn't understand... Outside of the Chris Paul thing, which I understand can feel very like deja vu, this, you know, this BS again, uh, you know, can't curse on the show, but you know what I'm saying. I get that. Aside from that, the Suns were right there. The fourth quarter just got out of hand in both games. But, you know, I, if you watch those games, and I'm sure most, if not all of you did, you didn't feel like it was double digit blowout, awful, oh, oh no, this is over. So it wasn't over, and look what they did. All right, let's talk about the big juicy drama story of the game next. DeAndre Ayton getting benched. I'll give you my thoughts. I'll tell you why I wasn't surprised, and we'll go through some of the other rotation stuff in a second. First, one more quick break. Closing out the show, thanks for making Locked on Suns your first listen every single day. Keep it going. Become an everydayer. Hit follow or subscribe. Get this show in your feed. Every time... There's a game throughout the rest of the playoffs and Monday through Friday as well. That's my promise. There you go. Get it. Get it. Hit follow. Hit subscribe. All right, let's go. Um, DeAndre Ayton didn't play the last five minutes of this game. DeAndre Ayton only played 26 minutes total in this game. Two of six from the field, four points, nine rebounds, four fouls, minus four. Jock Landell replaced him. Six points, nine rebounds, 22 minutes, four fouls also, and a plus 10. All right. So, where does that leave us? Um, Well, let me tell you why DeAndre Ayton got benched. Okay. He, He missed what could have been a dunk. I won't say he got a dunk blocked. That feels excessive. Um, Want to be fair? He already is getting dumped on. He already is getting criticized for leaving the locker room before the media came. Not great aesthetics there, but 
he doesn't owe that to us. It's not as if they lost the series. You know, I feel much more frustrated that we were not able to talk to the majority of the players after game seven last year than I am that eight and left after one game three where the team still won the game. So I don't want to pile on. I want to be reasonable. All right. And so in that spirit, again, he did not get a dunk blocked. He he passed up what could have been a dunk and got a layup sort of front rimmed slash blocked by Michael Porter Jr. at the three minute and 30 ish second mark of the second quarter which led directly to a Jokic dunk on the other end because he ran the floor and Aiton stayed behind. There was also a moment in what I believe is the fourth quarter, although I think it did not end up in my notes, um, where Aiton then missed a shot against... I can't remember the exact details. I want to say that it was Jamal Murray who was at the basket against him, missed another layup, and then again became uh, a, a, maybe a Michael Porter Jr. three? I can't remember. And that's the point at which Jock Landale replaced him. Okay. Um, About the five minute mark. And I did not take the note of exactly what that sequence was, but you remember it. It was was when the ball got knocked out of his hands after a rebound. That's what it was. So he missed the shot. Then they got a defensive rebound on the other end. And then uh, I believe that is when um, they the Nuggets went down and got a transition bucket and Aiton got pulled. All right. So that's sort of why. That level of effort, which by level, I mean a low level, right? I mean, DeAndre Aiton, that's been the problem, okay? I feel like there's a lot of new listeners. <laughs> and so that's why I've kind of disengaged on the Aiton thing. I, I don't need to try to prove to anybody that I, I knew this, whatever. It's not that. I don't, I don't take satisfaction in watching a player not perform to the best of their abilities. And that's always been the frustration, right? This is a guy who has enormous potential. Sometimes the most symbolic version of that is the lack of dunking and all the type of stuff that we see. But there's also smaller versions of it. Living up to your potential, when you're a big man, a lot of that's effort, right? I mean, yeah, there's a part of us that maybe when he was at U of A, we're like, wow, this dude's David Robinson. He's going to be able to shoot threes. He's going to be able to put the ball on the floor, whatever. That, that's not really that. That it was, very, it was clear very quickly that's not his destiny, right? It's fine. It doesn't have to be. He showed what his destiny is in the 2021 playoff run. And I think all of us came out of that feeling like, well, damn, if he can do that, who cares about the, you know, David Robinson comp? That's all nonsense. If, if they can go to the finals and he can do that, great. Keep it going. Well, he hasn't done that, right? And that's where the problems come up. I think he's done well in the post against Jokic. And I think at in, in for a lot of stretches of this series, I think on the glass, he has been solid too. Putting in effort, I think he has had some moments. He had a block on, I believe, a a block on Jamal Murray where he sort of disengaged from staying attached to Jokic on the roll in order to recover and go to the basket. I think it would have been the... probably the the third quarter. Uh, It was the basket on the opposite... uh, It was on the the Nuggets' side of the floor where their bench is when the Nuggets were trying to score there. I think it was the third quarter. Second half for sure. And so I'm not trying to say that it was all bad, but it's when you start stacking up moments that not only exhibit your lack of focus and don't hold yourself to a high enough standard of effort and energy that just any 
championship caliber team should demand out of its players. That's one part. But when that also then starts to negatively affect the team in a very direct way, it can't be tolerated, you know? Um, it, it can't be. And it's, it's a very similar level of disengagement that we saw at times in the Dallas series last year that led to Monty and Aiton going at it in game seven and the very real possibility that the Suns would not have DeAndre Ayton on the team this year. All of these things are rearing their head again. In this case, Monty did not let it. I don't think it's not fair to say game seven happened because of Ayton. That would be stupid. I'm not saying that. Monty did not allow it to get to the point where it could determine this season. It didn't determine last season by any means. A lot of awful things happened the rest of the series after game two of the Dallas series. One of them was Aiton. One of them was Aiton tonight. This was a must-win game, and Monty went ahead and put Jock Landale in the game. Now, to stop talking about the drama part and to give a massive kudos to Jock Landale, I thought he held his own very well in the post against Jokic, forced a couple misses, forced Jokic to you know give the ball up, go to plan B, it's all you can really do. I haven't gone into stats.nba.com and pulled the how did Jokic shoot against Landale numbers, so maybe my gut instinct is a little wrong there, but I thought all things considered, he was close to the level of uh, discomfort that Aiton has been causing Jokic, you know, and that's all you can really ask for. But the best part of what Landale did was he ran the floor on offense and he got his hand on loose balls, got his hand on rebounds, not only offensively, but defensively. I want to also shout out Kevin Durant, who I thought his boxing out and ball pursuit as a rebounder was absolutely phenomenal in this game. And Landell was a big part of turning the tide of the rebounding too, but but KD, it was consistent all night. And that's huge. Um, but, but yeah, Landell was able to do that. He was able, Monty stuck with him as the backup center. And then obviously in the final moments, he was the closing center. And it's not that complicated what the what the job is, right? Um, you know, play sound defense. Don't, you know, put yourself in a bad situation. Don't overextend. Don't foul. When you are in the post, do your best to make Jokic miss or get uncomfortable and give the ball up, right? Force him into a hard shot. And then offensively, again, yeah, you know, you're probably not going to get the little dump-offs on mismatches that you might have gotten in the regular season, but find ways to be effective. Get offensive rebounds. You got two think he got his hands on a few more than that all right so that's the big one but let's keep talking about the rotation here as we close out the show because a lot changed quietly you might not have noticed this in real time but Akogi and 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 Craig combined for 13 minutes those are the dudes that played you know combined for I don't know 50 plus in the first two games you know um so that was a huge surprise. The The wing rotation was almost entirely different in this game than it had been previously. And again, part of that is when the ball is in Devin Booker's hands, not only is Chris Paul not out there, and that's an adjustment, but part of the off-ball ability of Be- uh, that Devin Booker provides is gone too, right? At coming off of screens, just occupying a defender as a, by being a floor spacer. Those are all things that you don't have because now the ball is in Book's hands almost full-time. Right, so that's part of why Warren and and Shamit and Ross end up making a big difference. Now, I'm not doing the Landry Shamit thing today. Sorry, I'm not talking about it. So they won. In case you forgot, we're not gonna always have a conversation about the eighth man on this team every single night. I hope you guys are bored of it because I'm really am. So I, I I know I'm like acting like a parent here, but like chill out on the Landry Shamit stuff. He defended Murray well. That's why he's out there. 
He's out there to dribble the ball up the floor, not turn it over, and defend Jamal Murray. Do you think Monty thinks he takes threes? He doesn't. All right, so, okay. Ross and Warren. TJ took the shot, or, I'm sorry, Terrence Ross took the shots that were open. He missed them. Okay. Not that huge of a problem because when he was out there, the Suns still scored the ball. He was a plus eight. At some point, yes. It, will you have a game where going one of six hurts you? Sure. And, you know, maybe Ross gets fewer minutes in game game four. TJ Warren is where we have to close because that's where the Suns closed. Three times back to back to back, Devin Booker went to TJ Warren because the Nuggets said, hey, the Suns are up. Booker's going off. Durant at that point had already kind of gone off as well. And they said, the ball's coming out, right? So (laughs) Booker hit TJ in the corner three times. He front-rimmed three shots in this game. I believe his first three shots of the night were all front-rimmed, including one, the first one of this series. But then the second time, TJ gets a corner three out of it which led to then a Porter dunk on Durant, which was wild, got an and one out of it. And then the very next time back, the ball goes to TJ's spot in the left corner. Once again, he attacks the closeout, gets a floater over Jokic. And then opposite all those plays you had between the bookending, the Porter Jr. dunk in there were two Murray misses. And that was basically the game. Um, the Suns were up somewhere between five and nine most of that time, but you know those plays go differently. If Warren misses all of those shots and Murray makes his, or you know whatever, uh, then you're talking about a, a really close game that's you know thinking about overtime. And TJ was the 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 hero late. It's crazy, uh, but it really happened. And again, Monty went to an entirely different different wing rotation. TJ Warren went from not playing to 26 minutes. I also want to give a shout out to TJ on the defensive side because part of what Monty, I think, accepted with this adjustment, and he he referenced multiple times the big body that TJ is able to be for them. What he also realized is some of what he was trying to get out of Ish Wainwright in the last game, for instance, with defending Bruce Brown, that he can get that from TJ Warren too. And it's sort of crazy to think because we think of, T- of Ish Wainwright being Oh, he could be a small ball five. Oh, he played football, this and that. Like, TJ Warren's kind of close to the same size as Ish Wainwright. I think he might actually be taller. And so Bruce Brown was kept in check tonight, too. Uh, I don't know how much of that was directly matching up with TJ, but that was the primary matchup that they were doing when TJ Warren was out there. So we've had the Monty conversation. The Monty conversation will continue to be in the background. As Mike Budenholzer just showed, nobody is... Uh, safe from criticism, no matter how much success and culture building they've been able to do with the team. I think Milani coached a, a hell of a game. All those adjustments that I talked about in the last segment when we were discussing how quickly things can change combined with the rotation stuff I just talked about and uh, you know empowering Cameron Payne and, and coming up with a strategy that was going to make Payne the most effective, minus Chris Paul, come on, you know? Uh, Monty was a clear victory in this one on his end of the coaching duel, not to mention all the other W's the Suns picked up from their talent in this game. That'll wrap us up. Game four on Sunday. Um, Brandon, I think, will be recapping that one with me Sunday evening whenever I get home and I'm able to record with him. Light rail schedule, you know, allowing. But, uh, man, it's a series again. It's a tight one. Every single minute, every single shot feels incredibly tense. It's only the second round. 
But uh, the Suns did what they needed to do. They took care of business. Things change quickly, as I said. And uh, I think, you know, you'll take Devin Booker being on your side 10 out of 10 times right now. So we'll see. Tune in Sunday night, everydayers, for a recap of game four. If you're not an everydayer, I don't, you can, whatever, you know, we'll talk about the midweek shows a different day. If you're not doing game recaps, you're not even really, you know, committed here. Not going to lie to you. All right. Talk to you guys then.